learn how to sell. Um, that would be the biggest thing. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of people who want to start businesses, uh, they focus on a lot of different things, but they don't actually go out and, and get customers. Um, and I think, uh, I think Mark Cuban said that sales solves all problems, something like that. Um, and I think that's something that's super underrated. Um, people are a little bit maybe thinking that we're in the tech world, so we're all behind the computer. We're not going to really talk to people or we're not going to go out and, 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 and make a sale. Um, you know, um, that's, that's the lifeline of the business. If there's no sales, there's no revenue, um, there's no business. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's built several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we focus on helping startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today we have another great guest on the podcast, and I'll probably kill it or kill your name, but it's Ilya Brotaski. Even close? The first name was right, Ilya, but last name's Brodsky. Brodsky. I, I slaughtered it, and I apologize, but I've never been good at pronouncing any names, so don't don't take any offense. But I've been called much worse. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. So, but Ilya, so he is an immigrant to the U.S. I think when we talked a little before the show, left the Soviet Union, and uh, when he was about or at about two and a half years of age, went over to Israel, then went to Canada, um, and then as they were, I think, and you're still in Canada. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm based in Vancouver. I did go to school in the U.S. in upstate New York, so I'll spend some time. That journey as, as we go along, but moved all around, immigrant, U.S., Canada, Israel, Soviet Union, just all over. Um, parents got into multi-level marketing when you were younger, and so you read a lot of, he read a lot of uh, multi-level marketing books. Um, and kind of got into business, even when I was a little kid, you started to recycle, set up a lemonade stand, then you did, uh, you did swimming for a while, got out of swimming, did social welfare programs, graduated, went to Brazil, stayed there for four years, got into startups, created an online course in Brazil, and then brings you all the way up to Van Hack, which is where you're at today. So there's my brief introduction and overview. And with that, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Devin. Great to be here. So I gave kind of the soup to nuts really quick overview, but why don't we jump back into your story a, a little bit and start at the beginning and tell us a little bit more about your journey. For sure. Um, yeah, so so you definitely uh, hit, hit the nail on the head about the immigration side. That's been a huge part of my life. And the first memory of my life actually was getting on a, a train to go from Krasnoyarsk to Moscow uh, and, and flying, getting a flight um, to, to, to Tel Aviv in Israel. Um, so I really just remember leaving my home country, never actually grew up there. Um, so I always knew what it's like to kind of be a foreigner and be the other person, the guy who doesn't really understand the, the language and, um, and the customs and things like that. So uh, I had to adapt and, and, and learn quickly and, and then moved again when I was five uh, to, to Canada. Um, you mentioned the MLM stuff for sure. That, that was a big part of my early childhood from kind of five to 10 years old. My parents did a lot of Amway. And um, it, at the time, I, I didn't really know what it was. I just knew that we would listen. Instead of listening to the radio, we would listen to these motivational tapes of, of how to be your own boss and, and these kind of things and read books like actually this book I still have here with, with me. How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling, I don't know if you can see it in the virtual background <laughs> or for those folks online, um, and, and, and just learning and then kind of seeing that, hey, you know, there's, there's something else out there other than uh, have, being a small business uh, or, or than having a job and uh, is having your own business and how that could be uh, a way for, for you to have control of your life and, and kind of freedom to do things you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Amway thing didn't really work well with my parents, and I don't know if there's a lot of kind of preconceived uh, pre- uh, notions about that, and 
I used to say it didn't work out for us, but I'm sure it has for others. Um, but the, really what stuck with me was the education piece. And, and then also, as you mentioned, um, yeah. Just yeah. Real yeah. So what kind of, you know, in a positive way, so don't take it insulting, what kind of eight-year-old reads multi-level marketing books and finds them interesting? Um, well, they're not really books about multi-level marketing. That's, that's the thing. It's not really about like how to, but, but there's the, it's, it's like life skill books, right? The Magic of Thinking Big, uh, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Like these are both like worldwide best-selling books hmm. um, that, um, you know, it's not just be, and the MLM folks. I think a lot, like I've I, I realized now looking back, like a big part of their business is actually selling these and kind of making profit on the education, which I didn't know. I mean, I was a six-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was just like, instead of, I don't know, going to watch, um, Power Rangers after school, I, 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 you know, I did that too, but like also in, 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 in addition to that, I would, I would kind of read some of these books or uh, le- le- learn these lessons. And, you know, we had things like Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all these kind of like, just from a young age, mm. learning about business. And then just that, that's been a big part of, of kind of my, my childhood. And, um, you know, my, cause my parents, they came to Canada with nothing, right? We had two, mm. two kids, no language, um, no money, <laughs> you know, it's very kind of like, it's typical immigrant story. Um, well, not so much these days, but like back then, I guess. Um, like how people come these days, uh, a lot of, I guess, skipping ahead, a lot of people who we help bring to Canada, they come with a six figure job. So it's a little bit different, but, um, the point is that, um, it's not really MLM books. It's, it's kind of sales books, really sales and marketing books and business books. Um, um, so yeah, that, that's, uh, I, I think like, um, I, you know, the MLM stuff has a lot of negative connotations, pyramid schemes, all those things. Um, but the one positive that I got from it was, was that, you know, learning how to work in a team, learning how to, um, yeah, just, just sell. Um, and uh, like you said, from a young age, I started like going door to door and asking people if I can recycle their bottles of pop cans and getting, uh, you know, five cents, 10 cents, 20 cents, 25 cents from, from the, the, from each one and getting you know, five bucks from a day. And I was like, well, man, I need $5 in a day, you know, as a six year old. And that, that was exciting to me. You know, and I, I think it's cool. And, you know, so I, I kind of just, you know, what kind of, you know, six or eight year old read those books. But on the other hand, I have, that's, I think it's a great lesson for kids to learn at a young age. And one of the things that, you know, me and my son, who is now 10 years old, had to think for just a second, um, does is he loves to listen. So I love to listen to podcasts. It's kind of like, you know, a podcast, but a lot of the way that I learn, I don't listen to just, you know, fanciful or other podcasts. It's really a lot of information. I'll listen to marketing podcasts. I listen to business. Yeah podcast and everything else and kind of that same way I just like to learn and, and do startups and small businesses but my son gets into him as now as well and so it's kind of that almost gives me kind of the the newer age version but the same kind of a thing is you know what kind of little kid I, one of my favorite ones that he likes to listen to I guess two of them are and I'll aside for just half a second is yeah, of and in American innovations and they're all about you know head-to-head business competitions between the biggest businesses and American innovations goes to and how they created all of the everything from radar to microwaves to cereal to um you know all the different kind of businesses out there and he gets into them and loves them so much or just as much and so I think it's a really cool trait when the you know parents are involving them and especially if you're an entrepreneur involving your kids and and letting them see kind of that business side getting that training from a young age does a a ton of good so as they get older they have that skill set and they already have that excitement and drive to do that so with now with that now getting back to your journey and or going back from my side so you did the multi you know your parents did the multi-level marketing you read some of the, the books that are associated with that motivational sales books you did that some of the things lemonade stand recycling uh, cans growing up and then where did you know where did that now you fast forward to high school or college how did that kind of now play into your journey 
For sure. And I just want to say I completely agree with what you said. Um, and it's so cool uh, to hear. Um, there were a lot of actually tapes as well from from uh, that we listened to in the car. So it's kind of the, the modern day version of podcasts or uh, like the old school version of podcasts is the, the cassette tapes. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So so fast forward to high school. Um, I was a swimmer growing up like uh, since age eight, a competitive swimmer. Um, and I was lucky enough to get into uh, Cornell uh, through a swimming, not a scholarship, but basically the swim team was uh, allowed me to kind of, um, you know, my grades weren't like, I wasn't a straight A student, but I, was, I would say a solid B plus. But even though like I didn't have the, the best grades, I was able to get into university because of swimming. Um, this was some teacher kind of uh, indicated me there, some coach, sorry. Um, and that really changed my life. And I moved from, from Vancouver to, to Ithaca, New York. Um, and, and kind of spent uh, yeah, the, my university time, my time there and really exposed me to kind of a global um, student body um, to, uh, you know, met people from all over the world. And I also started uh, doing business. Um, sorry, my dad just called me. <laughs> um, so I started doing a business um, and a degree there and, and learned of, um, you know, about uh, marketing and sales and, and those kind of things. Um, and, and that was also kind of a great way to um, you know, get a, a practical experience um, of how to do business uh, during university. Mm. No, and I think that that's awesome. So, so you, you got in swim scholarship, went to university, got an education. Now you're coming out, you know, did you go to write to your own startup? Did you do your own business or how did you kind of make that next transition from getting schooling to now or getting into the business world? Yeah. So um, at the time I graduated right during the, the financial crisis in 2010, I guess 10 years ago now. And um, all my friends were going to Wall Street or um, consulting or Silicon Valley. And I actually was looking for an international job. So I, I, I wanted to do something a little bit different. And um, I, I always thought I can always come back home and get a job kind of in, in Canada or North America. Um, so I got three, three job offers, one in India, one in China and one, one in Brazil. And I had spent a week in Brazil doing a volunteer spring break program, um, which I really enjoyed. So then when I uh, got the job in Brazil, it was also the best paying one and, and kind of was exciting because it was at a large mining company, a very legitimate company, where the other two offers were a little bit more like earlier start startups or not something I was totally interested in. Um, and so I took that one and, and that really started my kind of international journey in South America and Brazil. Um, so it was really kind of, I would say, looking back, um, not what I was thinking I would do after university. I didn't think I'd work for a mining company and I only lasted a year and a half there, I guess. Um, cause I was much more interested in the fact of living in Brazil, working in Brazil than I was interested in specifically the mining, mining sector, that specific company. Um, but it was a really great experience. I learned Portuguese. I, I always joked that I had the best first job ever. I lived in a hotel on, on an Island on the beach in Brazil. Um, I guess sounds cooler than it was, but it was, it was really fun. Uh, and, and just learned that culture and saw that there was uh, kind of a, a burgeoning economy there at the time. Living on a beach or living on an island by a beach does sound like a pretty cool experience. So I guess it, it sounds cooler, but I would be right there with them if it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, especially after the upstate New York winters. It was very nice. So, so now you did that. Sorry, some, or had my kids walk in in the background for just a second. So I'm, I had to tell them to shut the door that I was on a podcast. So there you get for the real life experience of, of doing that. They came to visit my office. So there's your 30 second aside. But now going back to your journey. So you did that. You worked on the island. You got to go swimming. You got to have your fun time in Brazil. Stayed there for a period of time. So now how did that transition to, you know, what was the next step of the journey from there? Yeah, so um, kind of the next step was that they, they sent uh, the kind of the, the, uh, the company sent me back to Canada to Toronto, and I was working in the um, Canadian HQ. Um, and I really started realizing that uh, it, hit, it hit home to me that I wasn't really enjoying the company. I was enjoying the fact that I was in Brazil. That's when I really kind of 
um, manifested. And, and so I decided to, to just quit my job in January 2012 um, and, and start working for a nonprofit in the, in the slums of Rio. I had met this lady on the, in the airport of all places. She asked me for the time and it turns out to be a professor at Stanford Business School who had a nonprofit that she was running in, 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 the, in the slums or favelas of Rio uh, doing data collection um, and, and helping uh, consumer goods companies like Unilever and Johnson Johnson understand the market uh, sentiment for products like soap and water filters and, and things that would help benefit the community to have and then also make money for the company. So kind of for profit and for good. And I was really excited about that. Um, so I went and, and, and like, you know, kind of did this stereotypical millennial thing, I guess, quit your job and go uh, chasing social innovation. Um, and it was really tough, but I ended up working out. And um, uh, yes, yeah, spent six months there as a volunteer, uh, made a, a pretty big sale actually with a, um, Unilever, uh, uh, six figure, six figure sale there, uh, which was exciting. Um, and then I uh, found a startup accelerator in Brazil, uh, in Rio, that was connecting American uh, investors to Brazilian startups. Uh, and then long, long story, but I ended up joining that, that as a, uh, one of the companies there as a co-founder uh, and working um, kind of uh, in the accelerator, learning, learning all about the tech world. Um, and that's kind of where I got my first experience with startups and, and software engineering and, and the tech scene. So now, so you, you make that transition, you, you, you know, you continue to work for the companies. Now, how does that, and now, you, you know, I assume, and, and if we miss any steps, but now that you, that kind of brings you from there, you went to where you're at now with Banhack, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, so what had happened there is that um, I was working in ed tech. So I was working in these online education companies and I was really interested in how to, you can kind of create content once and it could be listened to or sold many times, kind of how we're doing on this podcast, right? We're going to record this once and then people can listen to it as many times, you know, there's no limit. Um, and so you see companies like uh, Udemy doing a really good job with that. And um, the, the Khan Academy was kind of bumping, uh, starting to bubble up at that time. Um, and, and just, there was a lot of kind of these revolutionary ideas and our, our, our thinking was to, to bring that to Brazil and have a, kind of a Khan Academy or, or Udemy Skillshare Brazil. Um, it didn't end up working out, but what it happened was I met a lot of these tech, tech professional software developers who were in Brazil who asked me about advice to move to Canada. And I started realizing there's this real need, this real hunger for people because um, you know, Brazil as great as a place it is to visit, it's not the best place to live. Um, you know, we, we all have images of Samba and, and the beach and, and soccer. But when you're there living day to day that, you know, there's a lot of crime and things like that. So uh, people, you know, their life goals is actually to relocate to, to you know, some, some place like Canada or, or Europe or the US. Um, and, and so um, a lot of them just started asking me questions like, hey, like, tell me more about what's the job market or how do I move? What's the visa process? All these things. And I started just uh, had that in the back in my mind as something maybe I can do. And, and when I came back home, um, I ended up, uh, you know, started ended up working out. It, it always kind of a... a didn't, didn't work out the way I wanted to. So I actually just went back to Canada um, and, and moved back in with my folks, with my parents. It was a pretty low point in my life. And, and at that time, I started um, getting messages on Facebook from a lot of these people that I met at meetups and events and friends of mine asking me, hey, I see you, you, know, you post a picture that you're back in Canada. Um, tell me more about the market. Can I get a job, et cetera? So that was their initial spark for, for what became VanHack. So now, so you come back in, low point of your life, you're working, you know, living out of the parents' basement, which, hey, is again, a typical millennial. You have, you have the high of the typical millennial and the low, and yet you continue <laughs> to soldier on. And so, you know, you live, you know, living in your parents' basement, trying to see you decide what you're going to do next. People are reaching out to you. How does that translate into, hey, I've got an idea for a startup that I'm going to start going on? 
Yeah, so I, I had gotten, I started getting these messages and, and I thought, you know, there, there could be something here. Maybe I can create a course. Maybe I can teach people how to come to Canada, learn how to, maybe I can teach them how to code. Maybe I can teach them, you know, something. Um, so, because I had that ed tech experience and ed tech background before. So I, I, I thought, you know, why don't I just put up a landing page and test the idea out? And um, I put up a, a really, really badly designed, you know, full of spelling mistakes because it was in Portuguese, just targeted at Brazilian engineers. Uh, or, um, and say, hey, if you want to learn how to move to Canada, sign up here. And I think like I, I posted in a few Facebook groups and I got like 100 signups in the first day or something like that. I remember exactly, but it was a lot. And then that, that really said, whoa, like that, that's something, there's something here. And I started interviewing and having calls with, with all the people who signed up and who, who would talk to me. I would just get on a call and learn more about them and what they wanted and what they're looking for. And what I learned was that they wanted uh, career coaching. They wanted to learn how to do a resume because, you know, the little things like for us, it'd be super simple. But for them, it's, you know, if, for example, if I were to tell you, hey, go get a job in Japan, you probably need to learn about Japanese culture and how all those little things work. And it's, it's a big difference. So, so there's, you know, there wasn't a lot of content for software development content, but not like English for software developers or interview practice tips for tech talent. Um, so that's what we created. And um, that was kind of the first uh, product that VanHack launched. Um, and that, and that got us, um, you know, started and started making money. People started buying the, buying the course. And I thought, holy, there's a, there's a business here. And then, uh, December 31st, 2015, I quit my job, uh, and started working on that hack full time. Okay. So quit your job and decided, Hey, I'm going to go all in on this. I, I think I can be a good entrepreneur. I can get a startup. And was it all roses? And you, you know, from the first time you jumped all over, did the startup, it was everything you thought of. Was it a hard road, easy road, middle of the line road, or how did that go for you? Um, I mean, it was pretty hard. I think like there was a lot of challenges in the beginning. Um, things like, uh, you know, I had, had some uh, people who were working with me that weren't the best, um, fit and that, that was really challenging and stressful figuring that out. Um, the technology, we didn't really have a technology platform, um, sales. It was always, it was just basically me selling all the time and constant struggle of like, Hey, are we going to pay, pay the bills this month? Um, but the things just kept going. Like we ended up getting into startup Chile and moving to, to, to kind of move back to South America for six months, moved, moved to Chile and, and did a program there. And then from there we went to, to Germany and there's a whole story I can go further. But, but in the early days, it was, it was really a grind. Um, but there was always something like, I don't know, anytime I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe this isn't the right thing, something positive would happen. So I remember distinctly actually one moment where um, I was um, like, I, my, my, my wife and I, we were uh, we, at this point, we had moved out of my parents' place and we had our own apartment. Um, and we were like, man, like we're not making enough money. Like our rent is too high. Maybe we should look for a place to live that's a little bit cheaper. Um, so we started looking at kind of cheaper apartments and, and um, we went to one place that was just especially really just bad. <laughs> it was about $400 cheaper per month than, than, our, um, than our current location. Um, and um, I, I remember like leaving that place and just being really depressed. And my wife was just like, like, super upset with me like hey like we really have to move and go to this like terrible terrible place and I was like I don't want to but I don't know like we're just having this discussion and and then and then that that day we had done a webinar uh for for Van High Premium where we had um you know talked about the product and we we just did a promotion to get people to to, to sign up to, to the Van High course um and then the next morning I woke up and we had I think four or five people who attended the webinar purchased the course and the money that we made was about four hundred dollars so basically it was this moment of like, whoa, like because of this extra income I'm getting, at this point I was still working at my job, but that extra income would be enough to like be the difference between living in a not like a pretty okay place where we were and like a really terrible place. So um, that was really great. And there was another moment where I remember 
um, I was at Costco and, and like I got money from, from a course and that helped me pay the Costco groceries, like little things like that, uh, which now like, you know, we have 40 employees and you know, millions of dollars in revenue. It's a little bit different. But at that time, it was like the really like small, like kind of but super meaningful revenue that just kept mm. us going. No, no, I think some, and sometimes that's almost the most fun time. Now you look, at least looking back at the time when you're doing it, it maybe, you know, it's a little bit hard. You're saying all the, is this that, but now you look back and you say, yeah, we've got a, you know, more employees, things are going well and successful. And then you almost kind of nostalgic for the, the good old days when, Hey, I remember when it was just me and we were excited when we made $400 and above because that means that we had a little bit extra spending cash. And now you look and say, we make that in the day type of a thing. And yet that excitement is, you know, it's a, it changes and it evolves a little bit. So with that, you know, so now you, now you fast forward to today, you guys, you know, you've built a company, you have employees, you have much of big revenue, where are you guys take it the next, you know, six to 12 months? Where's, where's the road lead for you guys now? Yeah. So, um, I mean, fast forwarding like five years of, of, I guess, work, uh, and kind of where we'll get to where we are. Um, we, we had a very interesting year in 2020 as I'm sure everyone did, but with us specifically, it was our, our whole business was about relocating developers. So we find a developer in Brazil, for example, and relocate them to, to Canada. Uh, that's our kind of, I guess, first route, but then we've done a lot of relocation from many other countries to Europe um, and, and uh, a lot of remote jobs in, in the U S as well. So um, I think for now, like what kind of what we want to do is basically our goal is to become the largest international tech recruiting company in the world. Um, helping as many developers, tech professionals relocate, like the most amount of tech professionals relocate uh, out, um, uh, out there. Um, and and uh, we're also seeing a lot more kind of these demand of, of work from anywhere. So you can find jobs that will help you maybe start working remotely at the beginning, then you can move, then you can move back and kind of have that flexibility where you can choose where you live. And, and I think that's a really big value proposition that companies can, can provide and, and one that they don't really think about. So um, yeah, just now it's, it's more of just execution. We have, I would say a really solid product, um, a really good platform. Companies can come up, come in, sign up, hire people, do the whole interview process uh, just using the software. Um, and we can you know, vet the candidates and understand all that. All those things is, is, is really, really like before it used to be manual. Now it's almost all automated. Um, and, and I feel like we just want to get bigger and, and, and get more companies and like to know about that hack and to hire from us and um, help change more lives. Because I think we've, we've kind of, um to use an analogy we've struck oil and now we just want to keep digging and see how how big the you know the well is um and, and not and, and not stop and just keep focused focus focus i think a lot of companies uh you know they tend to change their mindset or maybe um look for different things to do for us it's all about the same focus and doing what we do really 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 well no and i think that that you know to your point i think sometimes as you get bigger you have a bit more income you start to say oh we should branch out and do these extra 20 things and you know we'll make more revenue and we'll in, expand to these verticals and sometimes you lose that and then you lose it to the point that you're no longer you're no longer the company you start out with so i think that you know what you're saying has a lot of merit and, and you know people can learn from it is you know stick with their niche and you can still grow and make the company better but remember where your where your business and where your company's at and where you're trying to head and keep to that so was you know there's a whole bunch more things that we could dive into more fun discussions that we never we never will have time for but now as we get towards the end of the podcast um you know i always ask two questions at the end so we'll jump to those now so the first question i always ask is um what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it yeah so this one um still kind of rubs me uh you know it gets me today uh but uh the biggest mistake i made was trusting the wrong uh, people uh, or person uh, there was one person that joined our company 
who was like a personal mentor of mine and someone I really looked up and trusted and admired, um, confiance and, and would talk to him about, you know, a lot of different things. And um, he ended up uh, stealing money from us and making a copycat of our business and, and uh, basically um, just was a super unethical person. Um, and and uh, that, that was really tough. And the worst part about that is I didn't, even because I trusted him so much, I didn't have a contract with him. I just kind of said, hey, like, come join us as a consultant. We'll pay you. And um, yeah, it was all kind of word of like, you know, uh, by, by, by our word. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say like, tr don't, don't trust <laughs> people as that much. Um, and make sure you have everything in writing and everything kind of in a contract. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you can't really control people if they're going to go do ethical things that that's, you know, the, that the world and you're welcome to real life. Um, and it also kind of is flattering if someone's going to copy your business. Um, uh, but it's really, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was really like, uh, a sad moment because, you know, someone that you really admire, uh, kind of stabs you in the back that way. So yeah, that, that, you know, it's okay. Like there's a big market, but um, yeah, make sure you kind of um, don't, don't be so quick to trust people. No, I think that that, that is a good lesson. And it's one that, you know, it's an easy one to, to make the mistake in the sense that, you know, especially if you're a trusting individual or you think, Hey, everybody's going to be working just as hard as I am and they're all in it. And we're all just trying to get this done together. It's one that oftentimes will kind of just, you don't anticipate and it's an, a mistake that, you, you know, once you make the mistake, you learn from it, but it's an easy one to do the first time. So now you do the, the second question I always ask, which is, so now if you're talking to someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Um, I would say learn how to sell. Um, that would be the biggest thing. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of people who want to start businesses, uh, they focus on a lot of different things, but they don't actually go out and, and, get customers. Um, and I think, uh, I think Mark Cuban said that sales solves all problems, something like that. Um, and I think that's something that's super underrated. Um, people are a little bit maybe thinking that we're in the tech world. So we're all behind the computer. We're not going to really talk to people or we're not going to go out and, 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 and make a sale. Um, you know, um, that's, that's the lifeline of the business. If there's no sales, there's no revenue. Um, there's no business. I mean, I, I, you can, I guess, also work in businesses where, um, kind of like, like the Facebook or Twitters of you have to get really big, get millions of users, et cetera. But that's also a form, there's also a form of selling involved in that too, where you have to sell users to sign up for to your platform. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say that's the, probably the most, um, like the biggest skill that I, I, I see, I, I would tell people to focus on. Um, cause it's the most, uh, if, if you can do that, if you can learn how to, how, you know, bring in five, 10 K a month and you own your destiny and you don't have to go begging to investors, et cetera. Um, and when you do go and talk to investors, you are much on much more solid ground. So yeah, go, go out and, and sell ABC. No, I, I think that, you know, regardless of what industry in what you're doing, ability to sell and to generate your revenue, to get customers, to bring in that money is one that is a universal skill that everybody needs to. And yet sometimes you get so caught up with, Hey, I've got to get the coolest product or we've got to get the best platform that you kind of put that on the back burner. You don't think about that. You don't strategize about it. And then you get too far in. He says, well, now we got this really cool product and we have no idea how to sell it or even if it's sellable and if people are wanting. So I think that's a, certainly a skill set that people need to incorporate in early on in their company. Well, as people now want to reach out to you, they want to use VanHack, they want to be a customer, they want to be an employee, they want to be your friend, they want to be an investor, any or all of the above, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, to connect with me is pretty easy. Just go to uh, vanhack.com and sign up as a company or as an employer. I uh, click on my hiring and, and, and sign up, create a free account. Uh, our team will reach out. If you want to connect with me directly, my email is just my first name, I-L-Y-A, Ilya, at vanhack.com. And I'm also the only person in the world with my name. 
So it's pretty easy to find me on Google. Um, and uh, LinkedIn uh, would be the best channel to, to connect with me. Well, awesome. Well, I definitely encourage everybody to reach out to you, connect with you, use your service and, uh, and check you out to learn more. Well, it's been a pleasure, Ilya, to have you on the podcast. Now, for those of you that are listeners and uh, you have your own journey to tell and you have a, 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 a fun time to, a fun journey to tell, we'd love to have you on the podcast. So feel free to go to Inventive Journey uh, in, in free, or it's, now I'm becoming tongue-tied. Let me try that one more time. So, you know, if you, if you want to tell your journey, come on the podcast, feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com. We'd love to have you on and hear your journey. If you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you can hear all the new episodes. And lastly, if you ever need help with patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us and we're always here to help. Well, thanks again, Ilya. It's been a pleasure to hear your journey and I wish you the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Evan. It was a pleasure.